This is Face the Music, an Electric Light Orchestra song-by-song podcast. Episode 022, Dreaming of 4000. is the next to last song on on the third day and just like the song before it ma 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 bell it features mark bolin joining jeff lynn on guitar is listed on the label of the uk version of the album as i'm only dreaming and ended up being listed as that on the cassette version as well It also shows up as a bonus track on the 2006 reissue of the album as Mambo, which is Dreaming of 4000, take one. The lyrics on it are kind of strange and don't seem to have much meaning. However, digging into dream interpretation, dreaming of the number 4000 can mean a desire for a balanced life. And in some ways, the lyrics do reflect that yearning and the fear that life might be coming too late. The song was sampled by the Diplomats on their song Santana's Town Part 2, and also by a band called Frontline on a song called Hold'em. That was in 2005 and 2006, respectively. The song was also used as the B-side on the U.S. version of their single, Don't Bring Me Down, in 1979. And like a number of the other songs we have reviewed, it was used in the movie Ecstasy and Blue in 1976. It was a dream come true. I'm Eric Paul Johnson. And I'm Eric Winsenson. And, uh, eh? I mean, when I first heard it... 1984, November, is kind of... Eh? And you know that feeling's kind of stuck with me. Eh? I kind of like it. I don't hate it. But I'm not crazy about it. Honestly, I always forget that it even exists. I do like the guitar intro that plays from time to time through it. I think that really kicks ass. I like the end, where things are getting serious and the music's building up and and that part. But the rest, I'm kind of... Eh. The weird thing about it, to me, is it doesn't sound like an ELO song. I mean, it's got Jeff Lynn and his production and his voice, Richard Tandy doing his synthesizering with his synthesizering style. Uh, it's two cellos and a violin. It has everything that makes an ELO song, but to me, it 
I don't know. It just it doesn't sound very ELO-y. Well, that is true. It doesn't really sound like ELO too much at all. It sounds like... <sighs> I can't really say what it sounds like. It doesn't really compare to any other progressive band or a band that I would be thinking of at the time. It sounds like its own thing, but it, yeah, it doesn't really sound like ELO itself. It sounds like maybe another band trying to be ELO. And yeah, when listening to it, I'm going, hey, I really, really like this song. But then here, a day after giving it a listen, the only thing I remember really is the guitar part. I can't even remember the melody. I'm sitting here <laughs> looking at the lyrics, doing the song facts portion of the show here, and I can't even remember the melody to the lyrics. <laughs> This is a day after listening to the thing. The only thing I remember is that great guitar part where Jeff Lynne and Mark Bolin are trading riffs, and that's really it. Especially since you sent me an outtake of the album that blows about everything on the album away, and now I've got that stuck in my head because I actually liked that song. Yeah, and that's the the same problem I have. It's like, this doesn't sound like ELOE. It sounds like... And I can't quite peg down who it sounds like or if it sounds like anybody or what. Yeah, Everybody is Born to Die. I like that one much better than I like this. I kind of wish it was switched around, where this one got the axe and sat unheard for 30-ish years and wound up on a special edition remaster, and that Everyone's Born to Die was the track that took its place on the established album, because I like that one much better than I like Dreaming of 4000, and I wonder why it wasn't on there. Um, when did Mark Boland die? Uh, Mark Bolin died, not too, maybe, I'm gonna have to look it up, but I think it was, uh, don't quote me, but I think it was 75. You are wrong, and I would have been wrong too, because I thought maybe it was around the time that this album came out, which would explain why if one of his friends died that played on this song, he might be kind of iffy about putting a song on there that says everyone's born to die. But according right. to the internets, he died on September 16th, 1977. Okay, so I was a couple years off. Yeah, I thought it was like yeah, I thought I thought, I thought he I thought he passed away earlier than that. Sad to see him go because Mark Boland was really an innovator in a lot of ways. Actually, while we were talking, I just remembered what band the song reminded me of, and what it sounded like he was trying to they're trying to imitate. And it's a band I don't know. Some of the older ELO fans are probably going to recognize them. It's a band called Bebop Deluxe. Hmm, I've but, never heard of them. They were contemporaries with ELO, similar in some ways, no strings or anything in Bebop Deluxe, but basically you had one major band leader who was a virtuoso in things, in his style, which was Bill Nelson. He was a great guitar player, and he often did type of kind of sci-fi themes, and the melody on it, I, it's just popped back to my head here, the melody on Dreaming of 4000 sounds not like an ELO melody, but like a Bebop Deluxe melody, where it was a more of a rapid-fire delivery in a lot of cases. If that was what they were trying to do, is try to sound a little bit like them, because they were an up-and-coming band at the time. Actually... Come to think of it, yeah. In fact, I'm trying to remember. I think Bebop Deluxe's first album didn't come out until about a year later, to tell you the truth. Oh. <laughs> so, but still, they were on the touring circuit in England at the time. So that might have been something that Jeff Lynne may have heard, too. 
because their first out Max Victim, even though it's a completely different lineup than what Bebop Deluxe had later on, it still had the same sound, basically. Right. So it's possible he may have run into them while they were still on the local touring circuit and then said, hey, I like this sound and kind of mixed it in there because that's what it kind of reminds me of is is their style. Yeah, because I know, I know this album came out in 74, but I know that the whole album was recorded in 73, so... On the third day, it came out, like, I think November 73. came out in late 73. Harvest Records is where they recorded on, and, and at the time, most likely, it is possible he may have even heard him in a session, because I believe 73 would have been when they were recording their first album, and uh, they recorded for Harvest throughout their entire career, and ELO was still at Harvest shortly before moving over into Warner, I think, was what they moved over to in the UK, so... Yeah, on the third day, their first Warner Brothers album, so they would have still been with Harvest at least for a good chunk of the year. But ELO fans, yeah, if you're looking for something extra that uh, you would really like, try out Bebop Deluxe. They're not going to sound like ELO, but they're going to sound like a band you really, really like, especially if you do also like T-Rex and Mark Boland and all that. I've never heard of them. I'll have to listen. Yeah, you definitely do. (laughs) All right, I... I won't cross you. Got something to say about dreaming of 4,000? Then call the telephone line voicemail. 623-850-3375. Call now. Like it? Hate it? What does Madeline think? I liked it. It was amazing. Wow, she liked it. Face the Music, an Electric Light Orchestra song-by-song podcast is a production of Radio Trolla Entertainment Assorted Deli Meets Amalgamated. Contact us by voicemail at 623-850-3375 or email us at eloftmpodcast at gmail.com. Keep up to date on the show by joining our Facebook group. You can financially support the podcast by going to podomatic.com slash podcasts slash lntcs and click on the PayPal button. Next week, episode 023, In the Hall of the Mountain King. 